Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. While newlyweds are often full of snuggles, cuddles, and lots of intimacy, most parents will tell you that after babies are born, everything changes. Couples often lose touch with that sexual spark and attraction between them. I'm Dr. Nick Karras, a sexologist, and today we're talking all about spicing up your marriage after kids. This is Parent Savers, episode 91. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Would you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers. We're broadcasting, as usual, from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents from the newborn years to kindergarten. I'm your host, John O'Reill. Thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who join us week in and week out. And thanks also to those of you who are listening for the first time. As you may or may not know, you can join our Parent Savers Club and receive access to special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts from time to time. And if you haven't already, please make sure to download the free Parent Savers app, available in the Android and iTunes Marketplace and you can automatically have access to all the great parenting advice and conversation we have on Parent Savers every week. Let's start this conversation by meeting everyone who's joining us in the room, and we have a very full room today. Um, I'll start with myself. I'm John O'Reill, just about to turn 40 years old in March, coming up on 40, um, and three boys, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. We're uh, Tony and Elisa Lorenzo. We have two kids. We have an 11-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter, and we are co-hosts of the top-rated marriage podcast in iTunes, One Extraordinary Marriage. Nice. Woo-hoo. Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm MJ Fisher, 37, yes, and I'm a stay-at-home mom to uh, my son who's two and a half years old, and besides that, I actually am the producer of the other podcast, well, one of the four that we have here um, on, on the Boop Group. I'm Suchi Eggleton, and I am a half-stay-at-home mom. I work uh, part-time as a, as a, a college instructor, but uh, my daughter is almost four years old, and uh, this is my first time. Nice. You're welcome. I like that, too. I'm a at least a half stay at home dad, too, <laughs> despite the other. <laughs> well, and I'm Erin Estevez, otherwise known as OG Mamacita, the officially geriatric Mamacita. I am uh, 43 going on 44. And I have a two year old at home with whom I stay every single day. I love but cuckoo. <laughs> and I'm Dr. Nick Karras, the sexologist, and I'm also a father. I'm 62, and my son is now 40. Nice. All right, well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Before we jump into the what's sure to be an exciting conversation, we're going to take a look at an app. We do this from time to time on Parent Savers. Uh, we look at apps that are just released um, or maybe have been out for a bit and look at them, talk about them, and tell you whether or not it's recommended for you to check out. And so today's app is, is it Ducky Deck? Ducky Deck. Ducky Deck Family Photo. And it is a cute little app. Ducky Deck's actually a series of different apps. There's different Ducky Deck apps. I guess that's kind of the brand. Um, and in the Family Photo app, 
it's really kind of a face creation app and there's no goals or um end result other than make a cute family photo um but these are the kind of games that i really like for my young kids to play um and i messed around with it with our uh four-year-old and our um he's still six he's about to turn seven i said seven at the beginning sorry for the confusion but nobody really cares um (laughs) so mess around with them and they love this type of game and i i like them playing this type of game too where there's no necessarily goal or pressure they're just kind of creating a face right and there's all sorts of funny options to do hair it starts out with a randomly generated character you can change the hair the eyes the mouth the outfit the hat if they want to have a mustache and overall they they really liked it and had a good time because they really like playing with this kind of app yeah, I think this app is adorable. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about apps that, or games that may have an end function or a reason. And I think that you could say that this is not only time consuming, which sometimes mm-hmm. can be really great, but also educational because, you know, like my two year old, I can say nose, you know, Nadis, and he can try out all the different noses. And so in that sense, it's really fun. And I, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I think that always when we talk about apps, there's the big debate. There's some parents who just don't want their kids playing apps no matter what. There's some who probably take it a little bit too far on the pendulum. I think as this, it's a great uh, app for the kids to get engaged in. could be a time-wasting app. Um, I'm not sure how educational it is. I think like if you if done the right way with parents engaging with them, I think they'll learn about parts of the face. Um, but there's also no no output. There's actually no way to save the pictures to your right. camera roll either. And so that's maybe a little bit of a disappointment. Well, I, I was thinking it's the same thing as, I mean, it's the, obviously the digital format of the Mr. Potato Head. So right. how educational is that? Like that right. right. I mean, it also reminds it's, me of the little paper it, it dolls. Is, yeah. but <laughs> well, and I was uh, thinking color forms. Like I, yes. So I didn't say my age at the beginning. I'm 39. <laughs> and so I just dated myself bringing up color forms. But you were just mixing and matching right. all of those different right. things to yeah. make different faces. And so yeah. while it's not, you know, you don't have the output, there's just the education. Yeah. Of, yeah. Let me play with something different and see what that mm-hmm. unlocks in my own creativity. Right. Yeah. So I would definitely give this a thumbs up. It's not if somebody was thinking about getting an iPad or an iPhone or an Android, they have this for Android as well. I wouldn't say, oh, check out what's this is the cool things that you can do on your phone i think that if you're comfortable with playing apps then this is another great one i don't think that this is a groundbreaking example of how awesome apps are for kids but i'd still i would definitely give it a thumbs up and it's totally added to our repertoire and i know my kids are going to love it i had a question about that app since you guys have already sort of played around with it are you able to put a mouth as an eye no. No. <laughs> oh, okay. no, that's a good right. question. And so Dolly. it's not like so it's it's I guess it's different Just Mr. Kinda adds the that way. <laughs> this is more that you can switch the mouth oh, okay. and you can so, switch right. the eyes. So we're prescribed but to just all, eyes are only eyes and are. noses are only okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but you can put a um, goatee or a mustache on a girl. That's okay. kind of cool. Right, yeah. right. I could put I earrings like, on guys. Yeah, I like okay. that because you. I mean, like you. You know, we're we like my son has a doll and and he loves it. And mm-hmm. I don't. I want to foster that to right. not make it like you yeah. need to wear blue and yep. play with trucks. So yeah. yeah, it's totally very gender neutral. I mean, we were saying when we were looking at some of the pictures that they all kind of resemble guys, but there's definitely female flair that can be mixed in as well. Um, to make them all just kind of cute people with different funny eyes and mustaches. And I think it's neat because, it get, for example, I have a niece who had not seen anybody that was different from us until she was about four. So she had, like, never seen an African-American until she was, like, four. And when she saw the, the first African-American, she was kind of startled. So I think this is great because it's a good talking point. You can show how people are different, you know, 
But yep. essentially, we're all made of the same thing. Everybody's got eyes and noses. Yep. Yep. All right, awesome. so I think the Parent Savers Verdict is a thumbs up. Definitely check it out. Um, the Ducky Deck and Friends family photos, and we'll have a link to it on our website. All right, it's time to jump into today's topic, which is spicing up your marriage after kids. Today we're talking with Dr. Nick Karras. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Let's start hearing a little about yourself. I mean, for starters, what is a sexologist? A sexologist is a person who studies what people do sexually and equally important how they feel about it. Okay. And then you kind of help people. Is fixing the wrong word? Yeah, because we don't fix. We we provide information. We yeah. let them. We feel that everybody knows who they are sexually, mm-hmm. and we just provide the information and we give permission okay. to explore that aspect. So, what are some ish- common issues you see with parents? Right, because babies change everything, including um, a lot of the sexual relationships that couples. Oh, have. everything changes yep. when you have uh, the intimacy. Mainly, yeah, is, yeah. And so intimacy, like you see parents complaining, like that they're not having sex frequently enough or just the even, or is it on a level that they're not holding hands as much or? It has to take on a whole new form. The intimacy is usually more sexual at the beginning of a relationship and it's more erotic. Um, When a child appears, the whole role of a parent changes. It's, you know, it's more of a nurturing thing. It's more of a provider and it's hard to bring those two together. You have to reinvent yourself sexually and what that means. That actually bring us to one of the questions that I got on Facebook was by Anonymous. (laughs) No surprise there. Um, But he was basically saying that after the child was born, his wife was no longer sexually interested in him because she felt like her body had to go to the child. She was exclusively breastfeeding and she did not feel sexual anymore. And he was wondering how he could, if he could, help her transition back to a sexual being well i mean we tony and i have two kids and there was definitely a phase in my life um, i did breastfeed both children and i remember those early days when you just feel like it's all going to the baby and one of the things that tony started doing i mean tony was just very patient um, you know, so there wasn't this, I mean, with the first child, he was like, okay, let's jump back in the saddle. <laughs> child number two, we waited a little longer, but it was the telling me that I was attractive. It was, you know, a lot of the verbal cues that I got from him instead of just being like, okay, your body's mine. Let's, let's make this happen. And I think a lot of, that's what a lot of husbands can do for their wives is give them verbal encouragement because let's face it after we've you know carried a baby for nine months and we are all stretched and you know our breasts are doing all kinds of stuff with milk production we might not feel sexual but to hear that from our husbands that they still desire us and are in love with who we are that's a huge gift that a man can give his wife yeah and i think i think it's very true the you know the bonding that takes place between a mother and a child it's producing that oxytocin that you used to get with your partner and it's not wrong. It's 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 empowering. The thing is, let's not lose the link between the couple also. And that's why you got to redefine intimacy, just holding hands, laying together and being close so that you're also doing that. Because it's just as hard on the man. Because now he's a provider. I mean, for a lot of men, it's a big thing. I mean, you've taken on a role of a child. And that's changing the way you think. And then to sexualize and to look at the mother of this beautiful child and what she went through, it's a difficult thing. So he's trying to re- regroup and rethink how to do that. Yeah, and I got I to gotta agree with Dr. Nick on the changes that do happen. And from that time when you first meet to the time of walking down the aisle 
being sexually intimate in your marriage, and now a child comes, there's a big change that happens. And one thing I think many of us forget in marriages, that emotional intimacy is very, very important. That connection we have when we communicate. Well, yes, your wife just had the child, but communicate with her. Find out what the changes are. You can see them, but ask her. Mm -hmm. Because what we find out often when we uh, talk on our podcast and we hear from our listeners is that that emotional intimacy is what sparks the sexual intimacy. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's this, there's this instinct where on some level you may want everything to stay the same, like when you met or when you got married or like when you got engaged or, but from a really, if you take a step back, of course it's going to evolve. And of course things are going to evolve and things aren't going to be the same. And I think that you have to work hard to discover and make it evolve, I guess, the way that works for you guys. You guys can control the evolution to some yeah, extent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and the same thing happens with couples who don't have child, children. Mm -hmm. After a period of time, you have to reinvent what sexuality looks like and what intimacy looks like. I think it's wonderful to have the child because it forces you to do it. And yeah. you've got this third person in the room, this yeah. third person. <laughs> when we had our um, baby, we... Um, we really got to know each other on a different level and so many because we re we did talk about how we wanted a parent but it got to a different level once we had him because now he was here and right. we you know and, and of course you know once they're a newborn you're not talking about how you're going to parent them like later on exactly but um but definitely just just talking and getting to know each other in a different sense and for my husband and I um even just like just rubbing your hand on someone's back, you know, just that physical connection throughout the day, you know, that, that gets you to think like, you know, that you still have this husband here, you still have this relationship and you, you do need to keep that going and keep it growing along with, you know, having, having the baby. So it's definitely like little things, you know, and definitely just talking and, and, and communicating is so huge because, and it doesn't take a lot. It really can be just like not, you know, small words or it, you could, you know, have hours of conversation if you have time, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely it's, it's a whole new world. Well, you know, I, I, tell my husband I told him f more frequently when the baby was just born it's like look you are this kid's dad you will always be his dad you don't always have to be my husband and I know it sounds really harsh but it's the reality we have to work at this mm -hmm. because if we don't choose to stay spouses to one another then that that disintegrates everything so it's a choice you have to make that conscious effort to try or why bother as far as I'm concerned. It's very true and and there's the energetic of that children feel energy more so than anything and when the parents are loving and they're bonding it, they understand that. I grew up in a very large family there were eight of us I don't know how my mother did it and during the day my mother would she'd slip into depression I could tell she had so much going on my dad would come home and he would grab her and lock lips with her and throw a thing we knew that we were safe. That meant something to us on a level. We knew that we could be calm. That is, we saw them together. And I think to give yourself permission to be intimate with your partner, you're, it's a gift to the children also. Mm -hmm. Big time. The kids are watching from as soon as, I mean, even before, like in my son would react to my husband's uh, voice in, mm -hmm. in, in, you know, in, in the womb. Yeah, exactly. And and it's like, you know, it's, it's just huge to show your kids and they are watching. They are totally watching. I don't care how old they are, but they feel it. They see it. They know. And they mimic. Yeah. yeah. Well, Wait. I was just going to say the funny thing with that is that our kids are a little bit older. We've got the 11 and the 8-year-old. And... 
we choose to be affectionate in, in front of them um, and, and in front of their friends. You know, if somebody's over, it, it's not unusual for Tony to give me a kiss or us to give a hug. And we didn't realize how unusual that was until some of their friends would be over and they're like, what are your parents do? You know, talking to oh, wow. whatever it is. Like, what are your parents doing, and why? Oh my God! Why are they doing that in front of us? <laughs> and we we would look at them and use that as a teaching point to say, you know, it's okay for mommies and daddies to hug and kiss each other. And we realize then, and we share this with our audience too, is that it's a legacy that you're giving to your grandchildren mm. and your great grandchildren, showing them that strong bond, showing them that you still desire each other, and that this is the primary relationship. Yeah in the family unit because exactly like you said if mom and dad are strong and are investing in that that's going to play <coughs> out for the children yeah the children will always know where they fit inside that framework and there's not a lot of examples in media and public that mm-hmm. show that that is all. our responsibility mm-hmm. as a parent to give that gift mm-hmm. to, to, yeah i was going to say that we we do the same thing especially when if there's any bit of tension going on we make an extra effort mm. to at least you know publicly and and in, in a lot of ways like it actually helps sort of smooth things over right. y- you know when you're making that effort to be extra affectionate you know just mm. so she can see us knowing that whatever little tiff or whatever just occurred or something mm. that it's it's still okay you know right. and and it actually yeah it kind of makes things um it's, it's you know any little tension yeah yeah it's it's actually easier to get over any sort of argument now than it was before the baby. Right, right. You know, but, so. but I guess here's the thing. And, like, <laughs> this is all, like, we're having a conversation about this. And so it's awesome that we're all open and feeling, op- like, uh, talking about it. But even that question was framed anonymously. Right. And I think right. that uh, this isn't necessarily a conversation that's easy to have or that exactly. people will easily have. And so uh, it's great that for our listeners and it's really cool for us to be in this room and be able to just be open and honest about the intimacy, but how can people get to this point or able to have the conversations? Because it's something that's not just not talked about. No, definitely. They have to see the value in it. Yeah. They have to make that decision that that's something important. And I think if we all think back to when we were little, there were times when we saw mom and dad embrace and it had an effect on us. It calmed us. It felt good. Mm-hmm. And just tell us that and remind, remind ourselves of that. Yeah. And so maybe grab a glass of wine or beer with your spouse and, you know, after the kids are asleep, you know, talk about it and just, you know, connect in a level talking about it that's not trying to, you know, that's listening to your partner and also, mm-hmm. uh, would you say that that's a I good? Think, I think there's a level of, of introspection and vulnerability that a lot of people aren't comfortable with. For example, my mom died when I was very young, so I never had that um, growing up where I could see my parents um, interact. I, I, I didn't get that. So for me, it was something that I had to ask myself, how do I make sure my son gets this? So I have to make... I have to look at myself and then I have to talk to my husband about you need to help me be more physically, you know, open and affectionate because I I never learned that. So and that's why I'm saying there's a vulnerability and an introspection where some people it's it's tough. It's tough. Oh, definitely. And then when the children grow up and go through puberty, it's very complicated for them because they they don't know what this urge and what this thing is going on, and they don't know how to tie it to intimacy and the desire for that. And when the parents show that, it just gives another tool for them to make, you know, transitioning into adult life a lot easier. There's a lot of nodding going on on that side of the table. <laughs> well, well my, my thing goes back to the questions. Mm-hmm. What are those? Because you asked, you know, how do you, how do you ask? Mm-hmm. Well, what, what we find often is couples don't know what a- questions to ask. Yeah. Right. They, they get stuck. Um, 
And so there are numerous books out there that folks can pick up on Amazon, search. Um, on our site, oneextraordinarymarriage.com, we have 77 questions to get the conversation Ooh, started. Right. Oh, cool. Because what we found is just giving folks the help to just look at a sheet of paper and go, okay, this is the question we're going to ask and answer today. Yeah. And sometimes it might be five minutes. Sometimes it might be 20 or 30. I don't know. It just depends on where you guys are at. Um, but we've seen many couples do this, and it's helped them where they just take one cu- one question a day for 77 days, and it starts allowing that free flow. And we, right. we talk about all forms of intimacy, one being sexual, and that dives in deeper. So that way they can sit there, and hopefully by the time they get to there, they're, they're feeling more vulnerable, open. They're taking off those masks and so that they can really dig in deep because that's the, that's the biggest thing, to be sexually intimate, especially after kids. And if, if you're a husband and you've been in the delivery room, <laughs> there's a whole nother thing that yes. happens. We even yeah. remember it more than right? they do, like yes. the hormones. Yeah. Like, there's aspects of, there's some images I mean, in my brain. Lisa did epidurals <laughs> both times, so she was, you know, yeah. la-la yeah. land, but I'm sitting there with a the doctor and I'm thinking, oh. whoa, <laughs> this is like, this is way different than I recognize it from yeah. when we're being yes. intimate <laughs> with each other. So Transformers. Yeah. yeah, Transformers for guys. I mean, there is a mental issue that even they and we have to overcome and realize that, wow. But Well, so, for example, my husband and I talked about that because I, I, I initially was like, oh, I want a mirror. I want to see everything. This is fantastic. And then people started putting things into my head and I was like, oh, do I want him down south? I don't know. <laughs> you know, what if it's really going to mess things up by how he views me after yeah. this? Do I really want him to see that? And so we talked about it, and he was like, there is no way you're keeping me away from down south. Right. <laughs> well, your he's husband's like, a, he's a, he's an artist, yeah. you know. He's a visual person, of course. He's going to want to know exactly what it looks like. You know? And it's funny because in the end, I was like, no mirror. I don't want to know and see anything. And, yeah. and, and fortunately, he says that it only um, confirmed or concreted his love for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for some people, it's not like that. True. Everyone's different. <laughs> but it seems like a lot of these issues that we're talking about are coming from this projection of the spouse onto what they think the other person is going to think. Like either from the woman thinking that, oh, he's not going to want me. My body's not good enough. Or the husband thinking, oh, she's going to think I'm a horrible person if I say I want to have relate sexual sex. relationship with her like that's why communicating really is so <laughs> key is. like it and, and, and like, those assumptions yeah and yeah. then the, you know once you start asking those questions and you start communicating then you start feeling more comfortable then you then that's the different level of the marriage after kids too that you can reach you know like mm-hmm. where you i mean i think my husband and i after a certain month point in time like we we really didn't know like what are your fantasies you know like we started asking things like that and and you know you don't have these conversations with just anybody you know this is this is just between him and I so that was intimate too because no one else is going to know this but him and I so and us if you tell us oh yeah (laughs) I tell you guys and 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 the entire audience a few (laughs) listeners (laughs) let's take a quick break right here and when we get back we'll talk about what happens if communication doesn't work though I mean communication is key but what if what you're communicating about doesn't quite jibe together so we'll we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody, to Parent Savers. Today, we're talking about spicing up your marriage after kids with Dr. Nick Karras, or at the very least, redefining intimacy in your marriage after kids um, could be a better way to put it. Um, so what happens if the communication doesn't 
really work? Like, let's say, let's say we talk and there's a big mismatch in expectations over, um, you know, frequency that we'd like to have intercourse, for example. I think the biggest problem most people do is they, they let it go. They push it down the road to the next day and to the next day. And mm-hmm. the longer you go without it, the longer it's harder, it's harder to start it back up. Mm-hmm. And they're going to need help at some point. They're going to need to talk. Start talking with your friends. Yeah. Start talking with other people. Be honest. Like you said earlier, the biggest thing is we don't talk to one another about yeah. sexuality. We're, we put on, especially men, we put on that, oh, yeah, everything is fine. Everything mm-hmm. is fine. And it's not fine. You know, we're missing it. Oh, I would. I agree 100%. And one of the big things that Elise and I have done for four years now is called the Intimacy Lifestyle, where we have set up that we do have sex two times a week. And the way we've set it up is that because one of the big things that we found in our marriage, especially even after kids, was my approach and then being rejected. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and this is big for, for men because now you're being rejected time and time again which leads to not going to ask anymore. So the duration now extends out to months. And now you're really scared as a guy to even ask because you're going to be rejected. So the intimacy lifestyle, the way we set it up is that there are three days a week that I initiate, which are Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. That you have the option to initiate. Because <laughs> <The, laughs> <don't laughs> the there, there are some women sitting right now that just are like, I think I'm going to turn this off because if my <laughs> right. husband hears this. Yes. <laughs> Very true. I have the option to initiate on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Please, option. Like, he never doesn't initiate. Yeah. Well, uh, well, well that's, that's just it. Uh, he, he's going to pick one of those three days. Oh, gotcha. As I, okay. as I, yeah. Okay. As, as, and as I've gotten older, too, and with kids, I, I will say, as, as a guy, yeah, you get tired. There are definitely times when I'm just like, man, between business and kids and doing everything else. I mean, yeah, there are definitely times that I would probably, at my stage in life, that I would forget. So I do initiate and then on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Elisa has the option to initiate on one of those days. And that allows yeah. us to keep There's that. A lot and Saturday of and there. Saturday. Saturday is a bonus day. Saturday's a bonus day. Saturday's a bonus day if you wild make it half hour. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting like, though. <laughs> the yeah. Sabbath, like well, nothing on Saturday. It, it can yeah. be, but you know, the thing with that is that it it does keep that spark there because yeah. I don't know. You know, like what days he's going to initiate. Although if we get to Friday and he hasn't, chances are probably pretty good that it's coming. But, you know, I mean, you just look at the calendar. You're like, okay, we haven't. But the flip side of that is that we take turns initiating sex because in our relationship, and I'm sure for a lot of listeners, initiating is traditionally one-sided, either Mm -hmm. the male or the female, whoever has the higher sex drive. And so by us choosing to do it this way, and and we talked about it. It wasn't like this just kind of, whoop, let's do this. It allowed us to say, okay, where, what do we want our sex life to look like? And that's one of those, you know, I'm sure, Dr. Nick, that's one of those questions you, you need to ask. What do you, what is it going to look like? Exactly. And I, I like your idea of uh, the permission because I think the biggest thing is we feel, especially men, I felt terribly guilty. I mean, I would look at my wife and she's tired and we've got this thing and this child that's taken all this time. And I know I felt a burden financially and work and all the responsibility. I felt, I felt wrong wanting to be sexual. I, I kind of mm. felt guilty about that and allowing yourself to, to say that, okay, we need that. We need to reconnect once in a while and do this. And there's nothing to matter with having desire. Now let's figure out yeah. how to make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we have listeners all around the world that have, you know, adapted that to fit their marriage because right. frequency, you know, might be, you know, they might change frequency. They might change, you know, different variables in there. But what they've decided is that having that sexual intimacy in their marriage matters to them. It's, it's strange because on it's on some level, 
my reaction to that is, oh, putting structure into your sex life just seems like it doesn't fit, right? It's supposed to be the spontaneous thing. But obviously that's a ridiculous notion and that's maybe what parents need. And maybe like if so in my example, I would need to get over that. Like, well, it's not going to happen without structure. So anything get rid that, of this ideal. Anything that, that you value and you really want to have happen, it's going to take structure. Yeah. If you want to save future to buy a house or right. You know, it's not going to just You want to get an education, or yep. you, you need to set time aside to be a spiritual person. You need to set time aside. You have to put a priority on and it. When yep. you, and when I, you have kids, it's hard. I mean, we try to be spontaneous, but it's it is hard. Oh, I mean, right. like when when my when my son started napping by himself, um, we like would run in the the, the living room, right. and you know, we don't know how much know how much time we're going to have. Exactly. So, you know, it was like you know, with that that was our spontaneity. You know, but I really like the. Um, that you guys brought up because I my husband I think um, he doesn't like to initiate because he is afraid of the reaction but I'm actually wanting him to initiate mm-hmm. and so we have that kind of back and forth every now and then and he does see that I'm tired and this and that but you know I even said to him like I fell asleep on him last night and I said why don't you wake me up you know just wake me up and he's like I tried but you were sleeping so soundly and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> but you know like just just you shake me I don't know you know like because I don't I feel bad for him you know that I am falling asleep on him and you know and but I, I like that that your ideas there I think I'm gonna have to use them well please do and one of the other things that um, we've heard from couples in our audience is that they'll have the conversation especially moms of young children will say okay if you let me know by like such and such a time if you let me know by nine o'clock or by ten o'clock you know I'm trying to figure out what new mom is staying up till ten o'clock but right. there are a few in our audience <laughs> but we've had women that have told us us. You know, my husband will message me middle of the day, like tonight's the night, and she said to him, "Anytime before you let me know before nine o'clock, I'll be ready." Yeah, that's you know, good. because even if you get that text message during the day or that phone call that says, "Hey, honey, I'm thinking about it," you know, today, that allows you. I think as a mom to mentally prepare to say, mm-hmm. okay, let me, like, maybe we don't need to do a bath tonight. We'll do a little washcloth wipe down for the kids and that type of thing because my energy is going to go towards my husband. And so having that foresight to say, okay, this is this is what's on the calendar. Yep. And giving it, you know, like you were talking the spontaneity question, and I often tease people. I'm like, so how's that spontaneity? Yeah, exactly. Are, are you really having as much spontaneous <laughs> sex as you like? Exactly. That whole idea of why would you, it, it's it's over, I know it sounds really weird, but it's like over-romanticizing something that is okay. very necessary and almost practical. That's a great point. Totally. Yeah. Y- very you good know, point. Yeah, I mean, totally. That, yeah. Yeah, very good point. Hollywood does lead us to believe that you walk into a room and uh-huh. throw back the bed, and there are the rose right. petals, and <laughs> and you know rose petals happen. I think probably twice in our marriage. Bearskin rug. Yeah, Tony's got this <laughs> fantasy of a bearskin rug. So there's one of the fantasies that comes out. There you go. <laughs> but in the real world, you know, there aren't rose petals all right. the time, mm-hmm. and right. your hair isn't always perfect. And, and exactly. sex on the beach is sometimes really not sounds like no. old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, there's just nothing else to say about that except it's not a good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and f- and I think a lot of times for women also, most of the time, when when no means no, it, it's no. If you're not in the mood and it's not going to work for you. But if you're on the fence and you just as soon fall asleep, most of the studies have proven that the woman would have said, no, I'd just rather roll over. But afterwards, she'll usually say, I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. And so give yourself permission to even, if you know, if it's go there sometimes, even though you don't want to. It's usually very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Karras, and uh, thanks to everyone in the studio, too, and thanks for listening. For more information about today's topic or for more information about any of our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. This conversation will continue for members of our Parent Savers Club after the show. We'll talk a little more about phototherapy, um, just what that is and what that means. Um, for more information about the Parent Savers Club, you can visit our website, parentsavers.com. Before we wrap up today's show, here's blogger David Vienna sharing the realities of parenting from his blog, The Daddy Complex. Hi, Parent Savers. This is The Daddy Complex. I'm David Vienna, father of twin boys, and if my experience has taught me anything about parenting, it's that I know nothing about parenting. While we were potty training our boys, my wife had to go on a business trip. She was gone for three nights, and for each of those nights, I had to handle poop. To my boys' credit, one of those nights it was dog poop. When you're expecting a baby, people will joke with or warn you about how messy babies and toddlers are. No matter what you've heard or how detailed those stories are, it does not provide an accurate picture of just how much human feces you will be forced to touch. Firstly, newborn's poop is very fluid. This opens up a world of opportunities for fecal matter to find its way into places other than the diaper, especially if you experience what I dubbed the poo fountain. By the way, if you see your newborn making his or her poop face, don't rush over and change the diaper right away. The wee one might not be done, and your wall could end up looking like a Jackson Pollock painting. When your baby reaches toddlerhood, it gets more challenging. You'll experience daily poop accidents during potty training, and accidents don't just manifest as dirty undies. Poop will appear in hallways and on furniture and slip from pant legs at the most inopportune time. Not that there's really an opportune time for a turd to roll out from a pant leg. Even after your child is technically potty trained, you're not done. Once our boys knew how and when to use the potty, they still hadn't mastered the post-poop cleanup. I knew this was an issue, but really discovered how much of an issue one night when my son Boone climbed up on my lap and showed off a long brown smear on his leg. The worst part, however, it wasn't his smear. Let me preface that, like me, my boys like to watch TV in the nude. It seems that Wyatt left mid-show and deposited a monstrous bowel movement in the potty. He had trouble getting the toilet paper off the roll, so he just gave a perfunctory wipe with a shred of tissue and returned to the couch to cuddle with his nude brother. They both ended up with so many smears of poop on them, they looked like they were members of the world's smelliest Indian tribe, and yes, the couch suffered some collateral damage. If I haven't made it clear, let me reiterate. You will handle a soul-crippling amount of poop. There's no way around it. So invest in some gloves if you think it might help. It won't. And work on controlling your gag reflex. You can't. Often, when I was cleaning up a pile, I actually had to go to my happy place. I call it the Island of Purell. Check out more of my terrible advice at thedaddycomplex.com, The Huffington Post, or on Twitter at The Daddy Complex. You can also view episodes of Fighting with Babies, my public web series for parents, at thedaddycomplex.com slash FWB. And be sure to keep listening to Parent Savers for more fatherly tips. That wraps up today's episode of Parent Savers. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, The Boob Groups for Moms Who Breastfeed Their Babies, and Twin Talks for Parents of Multiples. Next next week, we'll be talking about another great topic of interest to parents of newborns to kindergartners everywhere. Thanks for joining us. This is Parent Savers, empowering new parents. This has been a New Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care. 
and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.